Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Opportunity always comes out of crisis, and we did go through a huge crisis in the past few years. That's the C word, COVID. But we're stepping into 2024 and it's a new chapter. I don't want to hear about the wallows of post-COVID in your salon anymore. And although the new year can bring new challenges, like the shortage of team to recruit with the rise of the solo salon, that's a challenge I'm hearing a lot from salon owners right now, from all over the world. Team members are going solo and they're renting chairs. People don't want to work the long hours that they used to. They want to get paid ridiculous amounts. And I'm sure you're nodding your head saying, yep, I've had a team member run solo already. But trust me, there's a huge opportunity for the team-based salons because you can still make a healthy, profitable, heart-based, united team in this industry when you work with a team. You just need to take back some control. So I thought it was only fitting for the first Salon Owners Collective podcast for this new year to share a sneak peek from our last Salon CEO intensive event. We ran it at the end of 2023, where I shared the three things that Salon Owners should be focused on for 2024. Let's dive in. Let's start thinking about, we've, we've looked back at the things um, that have served us well, we've let go of some things that are no longer serving us, I really want to start looking forward. And I want to just take a moment to think about the industry and what's changed over the last couple of years. Um, I feel like, you know, change is imminent, it's always happening, but it's been at pace in the last few years. And so I'm really keen to hear from you, like what have been the challenges for you in your experience over the last, well, let's just focus on the last year. Like, what have you experienced from an industry perspective, from an industry point of view? Um, and I want you to pop it in the chat. What has been your biggest roadblock? Not you personally. We've done a little bit of focus on self. Let's look at the industry for a moment. What's been happening in the industry in the last year that has been uh, challenging? Next possible the inconsistency with appointments. Finding staff is incredibly hard. Price increase for products and finding staff, staff shortage, people applying for senior positions who want to work at two different salons at the same time. That's a new one. Mental health of staff has been a big challenge. The rising cost, minimum wage, people's spending habits, staff costs, rent increases, staff that don't want to work full time anymore, the rising costs in client retention rising costs and staffs, better respect for the beauty salon, beauty industry. Yes. Oh, yay. I love that. Okay. Um, I totally hear you. Um, this is, you know, in a, do you know what? It's not unique to uh, just us here. This is a global, um, and it's not just unique to this industry. Prices are high, so profits are dropping. Uh, and being able to put our prices up, you know, it has its limits that to how much we can get away with. Um 
teams are demanding more, they're wanting a bigger piece of the pie, um, we have to pay more to recruit. And as an industry, we have to adapt. Um, consumer spending is down, or is it? It's debatable, but one thing is definitely sure is there is longer gaps between appointments um, for clients to manage um, their own costs. Um, it feels like there's a shortage of talent um, and teams are leaving either the industry or they're going solo. There's a rise of the booth rental, solo suite owners, people going home. Um, and so there's a lot of questions people are asking me, you know, are the team-based salons dead? What becomes of the future? But I want to reassure you, people are recruiting, salons are growing and there is profit and there is profit right here in this group. The numbers show us the truth. People are are growing successful salons um, and recruiting more than one or two at a time sometimes. It's happening right here in this group right in front of us. But I think what's happening in this industry is the gap is getting wider between uh, team-based salons and the solo salon because the solo salon is on the rise um, and it, it is actually puts pressure on team-based salons, but I think it's good pressure um, because it forces us to innovate when new markets uh, start to rise. The mistake that we can make as an industry of business owners is that we can get caught up in the doom and gloom of post-COVID wallows, thinking that there's a recession and feel a bit in despair about the changes, the changes that are happening right at our feet. Um, and a lot of people I know at the moment in the industry are scratching their heads thinking like everything's changed. How do we respond to this? And it's tempting because this is a conversation that comes into my inbox a lot is do I need to change my business model? Do I need to move to, with the times and the changing tide, renting a chair? Um, and how do I capture that solo market given all of the changes and prices and mental health and all of those things? And I think it's a problem uh, that emerging market or the change of the tide, it's not a problem that we can solve individually. Although it's true what got us here going forward is not going to get us there to where we want to go and we can't complain at the change we have to take control back into our own hands if you will it's time to get out of the wallows and it's time to let go of the post-covid that's one of the things that I wrote in my letting go of I want to let go of everything's changed in the last three years post-covid I feel like I'm done with that now and we're in a new place and I want to look forward from where we are and get back in the driver's seat take matters into our own hands and take back some control over our business and I know that there are people making a killing in this business and you can do that too, because they're here in this group. Um, so it's time to pivot, but I wanna make sure that we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater um, and that we focus on managing what we can control and stop worrying about the things that we can't and reset our business into a new type of market. Uh, because one thing is true, what got us here is not going to get us here. There needs to be a shift. Um, in 2024 and beyond. And one of those things, like I said, you know, salons are closing or being sold. And it's the, the rate at which that's happening is starting to increase. I guess it takes a little bit of time for the fallout to come apart because business is not for the faint-hearted in, in the 20s. Um, and when the going gets tough, I think the tough need to get going. And to, to fail is not, it's not a fail to bail. Does that make sense? Like it's, it can be a choice to move towards other things. Um, and there's opportunity that always comes out of crisis. And as a number of salons get smaller, the number of ones and two size salons is increasing. Um, 
there's more team movement as, as doors close. And I think that's an opportunity for those building team-based salons. The gap, of course, is growing and the larger format brands will grow. This is an opportunity for the bigger businesses to get bigger. There's going to be a gap in the middle, I think. Um, and so I think it's a good thing. More salons and brands will emerge. And I want you to hold on to that word brand because to dominate in the team-based business, we need to build a brand. Um, and we can't get lost in the middle gap. I think the rise of the solo owner, you know, it's not the lack, it's not been around, <clears throat> but people are chasing freedom, flexibility, lifestyle, um, and they want more money to match the lifestyle. So that means more per less, if you know what I mean. Some people are prepared to, to earn less to have the lifestyle. So I think the demands are changing. People want to work for themselves. Um, charging your own prices or feels appealing to a portion of the industry. And I think if we're not careful, we can feel threatened by this as a team-based salon owner as that gap widens. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry, we're gonna get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team, you love your team, but you're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. And I want to help you do it with ease in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here. Ways to serve your clients, make more because everybody wins. The team, the client, and of course, you, the business owner. Now, if you want to find out more, just DM me uh, and let's chat. I'll make a plan for you. I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get back to the episode. But I think we have to recognize as a new market emerges, the competition keeps us on our toes and it keeps us in the fight to grow, but it makes us innovate as an industry. And I think that's a good thing. I want you to hold on to that word innovate um, because it's tempting to try and compete with the solo owner or the uh, renter chair or the booth rental or the suite salons that are popping up. Um, and I think that's not the right move for team-based salons. I think we dilute and erode what makes a team-based salon great. And when we try to be all things to all people, we actually serve nobody and we, do, we don't do a good job at either. So I think um, team-based salons shouldn't compete with the solo market. Um, we're not in the same market. It's a completely different market. And just remember that being solo is not for everybody. It's lonely <laughs> to be solo. It has some upsides, but it also has a lot of downsides. I already am seeing a a re-migration of some people coming back into a salon environment, right? Um, and it's our job not to become more like solos and try to behave or compete with that. Because I think it, what is the worst thing that we can do for our business is try and be hybrid, um, but stick to being awesome and doubling down on being a team-based salon, right? And doing it better than the others, doubling down on being exceptional. But I think building a brand, and it's a bit like, um, they're apples and oranges and we don't want to try and be the other 
I think opportunity comes out of crisis um, and as a number of businesses get smaller or leave the marketplace, um, the team-based as a, as a wider industry becomes stronger. And recruitment, I know, feels tricky right now, but I think as a brand, I think that's a branding problem. It's not, I'm, I wanted to say it's not the stylist or the therapist problem. It's probably equal, equal because, you know, as, as a new emerging uh, age of people that are now coming into the workforce, they are, they're more picky, they're more savvy, and rightly so, so they should be. Probably we should have been a little bit more like that. I'm speaking about my own age group when we were younger. Um, but if they're not looking for a solo gig, gig, they're looking for two things. And one is a proven method to success. This is a generation who can shortcut and get any piece of information that they need. They just need to type in how to do whatever the hack is that they're looking for, or they can Google it. Um, or they follow XYZ influencer to get the know-how. So they want the, the proven method to success because it's harder to go and piece all the pieces together by going to social media and to Google and all of the things. Um, but if you can provide the formula, be the career influencer that they, that they need. Be the ones that they're going to follow. Show her and show the market the way that you have a formula for success. This is why you're here learn the formula of success and give them the systems and processes. I think there is somewhere in this industry a, a, a fear about over-delivering to our team or over-systemizing our businesses or um, and fear of getting into the leadership role. But I think this is what this industry is looking for. Show me how to be successful, but we must deliver. And I think number two is the career pathway. Um, we lose people when we run out of what their future is for them inside of our business. So we need to build future, a step-by-step -step plan for them to achieve their personal goals. So it starts to get a bit murky when it starts to be personal and business need to come together. But I think that's what we need to do to be successful moving forward. We want to become the vehicle for them to reach their goals and dreams and desires, whatever they may be. And we need to be a little bit more dynamic, I think, in building a team-based brand and be a little bit more all-encompassing so the best way to retain our teams it's one thing to to um, attract them by saying I have the formula to your success but to retain them we need to be able to keep them by giving them that pathway and I think the best way to retain uh, that is the best way to retain them um, do I get a pay rise my financial future goal but also what else is there what is my career pathway progression um, and there's a couple of pathways. There's leadership. Well, you know, once you've you've cut the you've cut the hair, you've done the skin, you've achieved the goals, and you're at the top of that, they're looking for something else. So there's a leadership pathway, there's a creative pathway, there's an educational pathway, or there's even a pathway outside of your own business while still maintaining uh, employment inside of your business. And that kind of hybrid role, I think, has space in our industry. So that leads us really to the responsibility for us as the business owners. How do we deliver that to our people and keep the margins profitable for all parties because costs are rising, wages are rising, um, and we have to manage the sales coming in with the costs that are going out because we don't want that margin to be squeezed so tight that there's nothing in it for us. Otherwise, what are we doing here? We might as well go and get a job for somebody else. And so um, 
I want this, if it's not already and you're not playing the game, I want Sierra Dash to be on that game plan for you because that will give you the knowledge and the story to make sure that you keep your margins and how much can you stretch with the rising costs and paying paying more with wages. Um, and how do we lead them to so we can pay them more? Um, so that's first of our responsibilities. How do we pay them fairly? Um, keeping up with rising wages, balancing costs, prioritizing a workforce that doesn't necessarily want to work how we used to work or how we are prepared to work ourselves as business owners. Um, and I think the right environment or the best way to fairly pay and reward is a hybrid system. And that is paying them an hourly rate to show up. Like we want them to show up and participate and be part of the business um, and commit to how much they're going to be with us inside of our business. Um, bonuses for reaching targets. That means we have to have clear targets and expectations of what it is that they want. They want that. They need to know the rules of the game. You don't want to throw them on the soccer field, but have forgotten to put the goals there and, and put no lines in, on the field. They need to have clear targets and, and a reward for achieving them. When you get the, the basketball in the basket, you get the point on the board. So you need to have a point on the board for achieving the goal. And then commission removes the income ceiling or the productivity ceiling. And I think that hybrid approach um, kind of covers all corners um, in terms of creating a career pathway um, and a good place to work. Um, do I get a pay rise here in Salon Mastery allows you to deliver those while managing your margins. So you know that when your team are in commission, you want your team to earn commission. Um, and I, why I emphasize that is often the question that's asked to me is, I don't know if I can afford another team member. And my answer is you can always afford an income generating person. You can't not afford an income generating person. The only caveat or asterisk is if you haven't nailed how to attract clients into your business, that'll be the only asterisk. Um, I don't particularly love commission only. I mean, it's not so bad, but it, there's no minimum to make people show up and feel like they're belonging to the team. Um, renter chair and booth renters, I just want to touch on that because it's, it's uh, a question I get often, should I do this in response to not being able to find good team members? And I say it's the fastest way to become a landlord. Um, and you solve a small problem now and create a huge problem later in terms of building career for your team. Um, and I think it erodes building a team-based business. So then I think we must build a culture of winning. We have to remember that we're in a commercial business and that we need to think like salespeople. Um, but if we do it right, a culture of winning is where everybody wins. And the first person that needs to win is the client. The client needs to get what she wants and what she needs and what she didn't even know that she always wanted and always needed. That's the type of experience that she needs to have. Um, and when she spends more, if you can put those systems in places, if when she spends more, that's when she actually becomes the better client. I did some research, it was quite a few years ago now, um, about uh, there was a strong correlation between client retention and average client bill. And what I observed is that the higher the average client bill, the higher the retention. 
not the other way around. And so that told me as clients make better choices, get offered or are consulted better, get offered more services, they spend more and as a result, become better clients. And I think there's a perception that the, when the client is better and loves me more, then she'll spend more and I actually think it's the other way around. So if we can get our client to win the team, our team members win, they in commission, uh, they can have the money that they want to live the better lifestyle. Those two are intrinsically related. Um, and when she wins, and if you can trust that when your team are in commission that your business is winning because you've got the margins right, um, then you can focus, then you get the win as the business owner in terms of profitability, your own freedom and, and lifestyle. Um, and because retention, or rather I should say, because team change is expensive, retention has to be high on your game plan, team retention. And I think if we can get that winning culture formula right, um, then it becomes a self-fulfilling um, prophecy maybe is a, is a good word. So I think uh, the last kind of point on that in terms of focus for next year and as we build a winning culture, I think we need to focus on uh, how do we get potentially less clients to spend more? Um, and I think we need to move away from thinking that we are creative or we're in the service industry and um, like any business, we've got to adopt a focus of actually we're in the sales industry. Um, and if we do that, then we can afford to deliver better quality services. I think we want to be in the quality business moving forward into 2024, not the quantity business, because otherwise we're in the race to the bottom and we become part of the group that falls out the bottom of the industry. Um, so how do we ensure that we deliver a quality service we want clients coming to our brand, not our individual team members. And how do we train them to deliver on those brand promises without losing sight of individual talent? Because I know that's important. Um, and a way to deliver a consistent brand experience. Because one thing I know to be true is consistency builds a brand. And I think that has got to be a takeaway for this year is that uh, team-based brands will win um, and consistency builds a brand. I just want to say one more thing before we get into your own personal 2024 planning. I think um, we can't ignore times are changing rapidly when it comes to um, AI, automation and technology. And we can't rest on our laurels. We've got to elevate our brand um, using technology. Otherwise, we get left behind. So there's a couple of key things I want you to think about. One is automation. When margins are tighter, let's use technology to automate anything that we can put on set and forget. If we can set it up once and put it on, on rotary, like why send, I know probably this is, you're well doing this one, but it's a simple example. Why send individual text me messages when you can automate that process? There are a lot of things that you can automate. Create the system. Humans create systems. They sanity check systems, and then you want to automate as much as possible, and that's going to help you save margins uh, in 2024. I think AI, um, you know, is already part of our future. And I think the opportunity for us as business owners is that it can support our brains. I don't know about you, but as a business owner, I can often get busy and overwhelmed or I need to know so many things that I don't necessarily. And AI can help our brains. There's a couple of ways that um, it can help us. Legal, obliga legal obligations 
It can fast track and save us a heap of time problem solving. It's like talking to a master brain human being. Um, and I want to encourage you to not be fearful of it. Um, do you know that AI can do your color formulations? Like actually you can get your AI to do your color formulations, save you a lot of time uh, and save a lot of learning and training for young people. Social media and uh, the written content obviously is a, is a really obvious simple one. I just wanna say, doesn't matter what AI says, I love AI and I use it a lot, but always check with your human brain. That's just my little asterisk. It's not so smart that you can't include a human. You must always check a human. Um, I think consumer behavior, op operational efficiencies, market trends, um, I think we can use AI for that and customer service, client messaging and automate lots of those types of things. Um, so that's my thought on AI. I think it's time to adopt it um, slowly, gently. Technology, I think, has room in our salons, and I think it's time for us to turn turn around and have a look, especially if we want to take an edge, um, whether it's using technology for the client experience, the mirror experience, I think it's pretty amazing, consultation and notes, doing that digitally, um, reminders and bookings and automating, those types of client experience things. Um, I think it's time to make space for that in, uh, in the coming year. And then the last one I want to throw at you actually is using remote services. Um, again, one of the challenges for us is um, rising costs and pressure on our margins. And we want to protect our margins so we can be in business tomorrow. And um, using either AI or an actual real human um, at a fraction of the cost and tapping into a global market um, for example, um, virtual assistants in the Philippines and so forth, I think is something that we should consider because there's a lot of automated or on-repeat human tasks that you can outsource at a fraction of the cost. Now, I know my mum was the first one to ask me this. She said, how could you take away jobs from the local? And I said to her, well, actually, these are tasks that either wouldn't get done or I would be stuck doing them at 11 o'clock at night. Um, because I wouldn't pay, I couldn't afford to pay someone locally to do those tasks for me. And so I can be in the global market and use um, somebody at the fraction of the cost to do things that otherwise wouldn't, so I can better support those locally. I can serve my clients better locally and I can look after my team because I have more brain space to actually focus on my local humans. So I think it's time to think globally when it comes to our, um, our workforce. Well, what a great way to kick off 2024 on the podcast. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you're feeling ready for the year ahead because we've had it tough in this industry and this industry is changing. But as I said, movement is good for those with grit to get growth. So just a quick recap on the three things that we should be focused on. Number one is take back the power and control what you can because people are making a great living building successful and profitable salons in this industry. And so can you. You just need to be in the driver's seat, in control. Number two, double down on the employment market and just be better and be the salon that stylists and therapists actually want to work for. And you must communicate it. You must communicate why you're different. And then number three is we've got to think about building a brand. You can't just be another salon because that will help not only with recruitment, retention of your team, but also building clients. Team-based 
next brands is what we need to think about in 2024 and beyond. So I'd love to know what was your biggest takeaway from this conversation? Meanwhile, I'm excited to see what 2024 has in store for us here too at Salon Owners Collective and for the industry. We also have some great guests coming up on the podcast. So make sure you stick around for lots more Salon chats. Now, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. A rising tide lifts all boats. And the one way that we can get this podcast out to more people in the industry is if you subscribe. It kind of jigs the algorithm and more salon owners and people from the industry will have an opportunity to be involved. It means that I can bring you better guests and a rising tide lifts all boats. So one last thing, we're down to the last couple of open spots for Salon Mastery for January 2024. So all you need to do if you're interested in chatting and seeing if Salon Mastery is right for you, because maybe it's the momentum program if you're a smaller salon, maybe it's the boardroom if you're a million dollars plus, but let's chat. All you need to do is click the apply now button on the show notes of this episode and I'll be in touch. Hey, ciao for now. Make sure you take it easy. Give yourself some white space before you get back into the craziness of the new year. And I really appreciate you being here. See you next week. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.